Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. And so notice, he's the spirit of counsel. And he's the spirit of power. It's not by might. It's not by strength. But it's by my power, says the Lord. Hallelujah. It's power. We used to sing, wonder-working power. We need it. You say, well, I don't want to go to church where there's power. Well, I'll just go down to the local cemetery and sit then. There's no power there. Do you understand the power of God? You might say, of course not. He's God. I'm just a human. And while that's true on one level, there's still another aspect of God's power that people can understand. Ironically, it can only be understood by people when God's power is working through their lives. And Pastor Mark in his teaching today will show you the urgent need for every Christ follower to have God's spirit working in their lives every day you'll recognize that you can't successfully live life any other way. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 14 as he continues his series, The Person and the Work of the Holy Spirit. Prior to the creation of man we find this interesting conversation. Who is God talking to? Let us. Well, there's no man. And as we move through this, it's very evident it's a conversation between God, Elohim again, and at least one unidentified being. Let us make man in our image. Who are these persons? Well, it's an invitation to create Let us create. Angels don't create. They're created. Animals don't create. They were created. Man doesn't create. He was created. Man hasn't even been created yet. So the only person and persons that can be inferred here, obviously, is deity. It's God. This limits us to God alone. So God was not talking to somebody with earthly intelligence. He had to be speaking to those that exist in the supernatural eternal realm. So what do we conclude? Us is Elohim. It's the creative being. It's not an angel. It's not man. It's not animals. So who God was talking to was God the Son and God the Spirit. There's the three. So the Holy Spirit is God. Deity. He was there at creation. Now go back to Genesis 1-2. You'll see he's there very clearly. Now the earth was formless 
and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the, say it with me, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So here we see one of those God was talking to. It was the Holy Spirit. Not a created being like the Mormons believe. Not a force, certainly, like the Jehovah Witnesses believe. And not an angel, as the Muslims believe. But the Holy Spirit is God. Now, actually, all three persons of the Godhead were active in creation. Jesus, you can look up in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Father, you see it here. And of course, the Holy Spirit, there's a couple more, I'll just read to you. Psalm 33, 6. By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. Job 26, 13. By His breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the guiding serpent. So, the Holy Spirit is deity. He's God. Let me give you some examples of how these attributes of God are all part of the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all these attributes. Number one, they're omnipotent. They're all-powerful. Luke one thirty-five. If you want to write a verse, I didn't put them all there because I'm just trying to give these to you. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Son is all-powerful. The Father is all-powerful. The Spirit's all-powerful. Second, omnipresent. Remember, one of the beliefs of the Mormons, the Spirit can only be in one place at one time. Now, let me ask you something. How would you like to have God the Spirit who could only minister to one person at one time in one place? You think the line would be long? I mean, what good would that do? So we know that that's not true. The Holy Spirit is at all places at the same time. Let me read it to you. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? So you can't go anywhere that the Spirit of God isn't there. Now, is that a good thing? That's a great thing. Is that a difficult thing sometimes? Yes, because you go to a place that you're not supposed to be. You've never done that, have you? Say, yes, I have. Holy Spirit's listening to you right now. So I go to a place where I shouldn't be, or your wife leaves home and you're watching television and you're turning channels. You know, when your life leaves, the Holy Spirit leaves. (laughs) No, the Holy Spirit goes with her, but the Holy Spirit stays with you. So his presence is what? Right there. He convicts us. That's a good thing. It actually keeps me out of trouble. Holy Spirit's the one that says, uh, I don't think so. And then we argue, don't we? No, I don't think so. So he's there. So everywhere we go, this is incredible. God is there 
When you pray for your grandchildren, when we pray for little Haley in Gainesville, undergoing the bone marrow transplant, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit is a comforter right alongside her and mom and dad. Aren't you? Hallelujah. Ooh, I just feel that right now when I just even mentioned, don't you? You feel the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is what alivens a church, not this weird stuff. And it isn't like I didn't feel the Spirit when I was teaching. Sure I do, but there's just sometimes the Spirit moves upon us. Number three, omniscient, all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, we already did this, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. There isn't anything that's hidden from the Spirit. Number four, eternal. There never was a time when the Holy Spirit was not. Put that into your Sudoku game and play with it. It's not only that, guys. Sometimes we get discouraged. Not only has God always been, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning and the end. And I want you to think about this. You're going to live somewhere forever. That's impossible to think about, isn't it? Forever. I'm not talking about 100 years, 150 years, 200 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years. I'm talking forever. That's a beautiful thing. We were created, but God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always been. Maybe he'll make that known to us when we get there. I don't know if we could ever understand it. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself unblemished to God? And last... Big one. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Let's go down to verse 3. Last is equal. Not the sweetener. Equal. In every way to God the Father and God the Son. They're equated together. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? You can't lie to your chair. He's a person. He's not a force. He's a person. How so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. So there you see God, the Father, and God the Holy Spirit on the very same level. They're equal. The Holy Spirit is not only a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is God. Now, there's lots of different names and uh, titles for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. I just want to go through a couple of them, because when you do, it refreshes us. It reminds us what's taking place. First, the spirit of grace and supplication. In Zechariah 12, 
10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of life. Romans 8, 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Another name or title, the spirit of glory and of God, 1 Peter 4, 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And then one we know well, speaking about the Messiah's anointing and the seven spirits of God here, the spirit of the Lord in Isaiah 11, to the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, let's look at those for a moment. Just take a moment. Think about in your life. Can you imagine living? Take a look at these six couplets, really. Think of living as a Christian without these attributes from God. In this room tonight, remember, he's our helper. He's our helper. In this room, let's think about this. He's the spirit of wisdom. Anybody need any wisdom in the next few days? He's the spirit of wisdom. He's also the spirit of understanding. God, what are you trying to say to me? I need understanding. He's the spirit of understanding. He's come alongside to help you in this situation. What should I do? Will you ask yourself that question? Many times. Third, he's the spirit of counsel. And let me say this so that you'll understand. It's important that we say this from time to time. One of the dangers, I believe, in the church, and don't misunderstand me because we have wonderful counselors here. One of the dangers, I think, I see in the church is we often bypass the Holy Spirit as a counselor and go to people as our counselors. Now, I need counsel from people, and I believe God gifts people. We have Andrina and lots of ladies, and we have pastors, and we all do counseling, not against counseling. I think it's very important. But here's what I've discovered. When Sharon has to answer the phone and people say, my marriage is falling apart, or this is happening, or I need wisdom here, or I need wisdom there. One of the things we ask people is, how long have you been coming to church? Well, I used to come, but I haven't been coming for four or five months. We hear this quite often. Now, when I hear that, you know what I'm already saying to myself? No wonder they need counseling. Because they've left the counselor. Do you understand what I just said to you? You probably don't realize this, but when you come to church, the Holy Spirit is counseling you. He's getting us straight. He's sharing things with us and going, that was for you. You don't need me to say it. It's the Spirit saying it to you. And so when a person says they haven't been coming for a few months, I already know what the problem is. So you know what we say to them? Start coming again. And after you've been coming again for a short while, two or three months, we'll counsel you. We have people just call out of the blue and say, will you counsel us? Do you go to this church? No. 
We don't counsel them. Now, many of you are going to say, well, that's rude and that's terrible. Guys, do you understand if we counsel everybody to call here, I'd have no time to study. None of us would be able to do any functions we do. So what we try to say to them is this. What people are looking for is a quick fix. We're all that way. I mean, if you don't think so, watch the gyms. (laughs) Can't even find a parking place in the gym parking lot. Go in February. You can have your choice of the parking space. Am I right? How do I know that? Because I see you in February. I drive right by it too. There are no quick fixes. He is the spirit of counsel. And so what we say to those people are, you'll get healthy as you come under the sound teaching of the word. When you miss church for a number of weeks, don't you miss it? I miss it. Because I need to, yeah, I have my private devotions, but this is just special. And so notice, he's the spirit of counsel, and he's the spirit of power. It's not by might, it's not by strength, but it's by my power, says the Lord. Hallelujah. It's power. We used to sing, wonder-working power. We need it. You say, well, I don't want to go to church where there's power. Well, just go down to the local cemetery and sit then. There's no power there. I want a church where God's power, obviously, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 14, we have to have it balanced, but man, I want the power of God. And then the spirit of knowledge. And then the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You say, why do I need the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You see, knowledge, I need the knowledge of the facts. Very often the Spirit can just open that to me. Then I need wisdom. Wisdom is the application of the knowledge. That's the Spirit. Now, can you imagine living your Christian life thinking the Holy Spirit is a force? Who doesn't do any of these things? No wonder it's dead religion. Guys, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, quickly, here's number C. Letter C. The Holy Spirit is not only a person. Holy Spirit is not only God. The Holy Spirit is God and part of the Trinity. Turn with me to Matthew 28. And I'm going to get through this quick because I'm going to challenge you to do something before we leave. Matthew 28, verse 19. Notice... When the Holy Spirit impressed Matthew to write this, we see this Trinity. That's that I told you about before. This Trinity that's one eternal God who's a creator, sustainer. Only one God exists. But within that nature of this one God, there are three eternal divine persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You and I can't figure that out. These three distinct persons make up the Godhead. They're equal in every single way. Co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. Each has a will. Each can speak. Each can love. They're in absolute perfect harmony together. One God, three divine persons. 
Impossible to figure out? Yes. You can use water and ice and steam or egg or whatever you want. Cool. Wonderful illustrations. Does it really make sense? Does it fit all together? No, it does not. So you believe it because that's what the Bible says. Notice Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know this very well. Teaching them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's the three. The Trinity. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the end of this very age. Do we believe there's three distinct persons? Yes. At Jesus' baptism, he's being baptized by John. Here's Jesus, a distinct person. From heaven, we hear the Father say, Here's my son. I'm very pleased in him. After he comes up out of the water, the Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove. There's the Trinity. In one, three distinct persons, and yet one Godhead. Nothing else like it in the world. Can't put it together, but it's truth. Now, this summary... I started with the Nicene Creed before. This summary is in the Westminster Confession of Faith, which some of you probably were raised with in the church you were raised with in 1646. Here it is. There is but one only living and true God. In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Some of you said this every week for years. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. So we can conclude from the Bible that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a divine person. He's a divine person who is part of the Trinity. Now, as we go through this series, the question is, if he is a person... And he is. How do I get to know him? How do you get to know a person? Let me just remind you of three things. You have to be introduced to a person. I did that to you. I introduced to you the person of the Holy Spirit. Number two, you have to then express a desire to know them. And number three, you have to start listening and conversing with them. Many years ago, I'll leave the author alone. Parts of the book are very good. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I love the title. I like some of the ministry, much of the ministry I don't care for. But I love the title, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. When you get up tomorrow morning and you have your devotions, that's a good thing to say. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You're my helper. You've come alongside to give me knowledge and wisdom, to counsel me, to direct me, to bring wisdom, the fear of God, and man, I need a helper. If you're a Christian, you have God living in you. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. He's been waiting. For some of you, he's been grieved because you haven't acknowledged his presence in days or weeks. So I want you just to introduce yourself to the Holy Spirit. Just pray and say, God, the Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want you to be my helper. If you need to apologize and say, 
I've ignored you. I realize you are God, and I want you to be part of my life. You just say the words to him. The message that Pastor Mark brought today continued to show biblical evidence that the Holy Spirit is a person and not a nebulous force like you find in Star Wars. You learned that the Holy Spirit was at the creation of the universe as well as found all throughout the Old Testament. You also learned that in the New Testament age, all of God's followers can have the Holy Spirit in them. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. That brings us to the end of the first part of Pastor Mark's series, The Person and the Work of the Holy Spirit. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue showing instances of the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament. You'll hear about a few different people that you might be familiar with, Joseph and Samson, and how the Holy Spirit worked through them. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.